Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. This morning, as we continue our way through the Gospel of Luke, our text comes from the sixth chapter, from the teachings of Jesus. I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, speaking to them, said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much gain again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, gracious God, we come to hear your word. And we hear your commandments and your instruction as they echo through the corridors of time. Quiet within us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word. And be not hearers only, but doers as well. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know about you, but when my car begins to make noises that I've not heard before, whining or knocking, I usually take it in and have it checked over by a mechanic. Could be a, an issue with the timing, or it could be a fan belt, or it might be the transmission, but I know I have to have my car adjusted. And I know people who, when they feel achy or out of sorts, they'll go to a chiropractor for an adjustment, or they might go and get a massage. So when I start making whining noises and clanking about and causing pain to others, I know I'm out of adjustment. Perhaps you heard about the man who made an appointment to see his doctor and 
after the examination, the doctor told the man he had rabies. He'd been bitten by a rabid animal and waited too long to go to the doctor, so now nothing could be done medically about his condition. After telling the man the bad news, the doctor left, but he stopped back in a little bit later to check on the patient, and he found him writing something on a piece of paper. Are you writing out your will, asked the doctor. No, said the man. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. Now, Jesus knows that the ethic of retribution comes naturally to all of us. We grow up playing in a world of tit-for-tat. But Jesus invites us to play by the rules of another game. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. It's an extremely challenging but perhaps timely word for us as a nation this week at which we're so at odds with one another and increasingly raising our voices across the aisle in the U.S. Congress, even in our churches. On this World Communion Sunday, there's so much that divides us. But there is another way. Who are our enemies? A young girl once wrote to her pastor, Dear Pastor, I heard you say to love our enemies. I'm only six and I don't have any yet, but I hope to have some by the time I'm seven. Love, Jennifer. Now, I may feel like I don't have any enemies. I love everybody and everybody loves me. Well, that may be so. But enemies can appear anywhere. In a family, a sister-in-law maybe, a parent, or it could be someone with whom you work or maybe someone you're in competition with. Competitors often become enemies. Within a family, brothers compete and sisters compete. Spouses compete. Friends compete. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes feelings get rubbed raw and resentments build. And even if you try to do something good, you're going to make enemies. And generally, I join in that game of tit-for-tat retribution, and I try to retaliate. That's the name of the game. The truth is, when we're motivated by anger, things rarely turn out well. Parents are always cautioned never to spank a child in anger, and that's partly to ensure that it's the child's best interests that are at stake. Benjamin Franklin once wrote, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. Mark Twain wrote, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it's stored than to anything on which it is poured. So Jesus seems to be interested in how we handle the toxic stuff in life. What are you going to do when you long to get even with someone else? It can consume you. It's toxic. It's infectious. Waste has to be handled with caution. 
So whether it's a sibling or a family member or an in-law, whether it's a colleague at work or someone in church or a neighbor, whether it's an undocumented resident, a refugee, a Democrat, or a Republican, whoever it is that you're nursing a grudge against this day, Jesus says, love your enemies. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, if you're angry with a brother or sister, you're liable to judgment. Or maybe if we took Jesus more seriously, we would have less anger and violence spilling over in our lives and in our cities. And the solution is not out there somewhere. It's right here within us. It begins on our own breasts and in our own hearts. Perhaps you read an article this week in the New York Times by David Brooks in which he called for a new environmental movement. A movement to police our civic environment. That environment, he writes, isn't polluted by a vague condition called polarization. It is polluted by the specific toxic emissions we all produce in our low moments. End quote. And those emissions need to be precisely identified, classified, and called shameful. John Calvin, writing at the time of the Reformation, wrote this, Christian doctrine is not a matter of the tongue, but of life. It's not apprehended only by the intellect and our memory like other branches of learning, but it's received only when it possesses the whole soul. It must be transferred into our hearts. It must pass into our conduct and thus transform us into itself. So in this text, Jesus provides a checklist of seven categories of enemy. Those who hate you, those who curse you, those who abuse you, those who strike you, those who rob you, those who demand things from you, those who steal from you. It's pretty hard to say we don't have any enemies. Any of us who have children have people like that in our lives. So what does it mean to love in the face of hatred and hostility? Well, it certainly can't mean that we're so simply to be a doormat and let people walk all over us. The truth is the hashtag MeToo movement has exposed something that should be exposed and stopped. And it certainly can't mean that we're supposed to have warm feelings for people that we have come to despise. It does mean, I think, in the words of Sam Wells, carefully and doggedly, not passionately or sentimentally, following the words of Jesus and the action he commends to us. Do good to those who hate you. Say by your actions, however much you hate me, I will never hate you. Remember, this will end. 
Don't let these people turn you into a monster by how you respond. Repay evil with good. Bless those who hate you. Mind your speech. Try not to lose your temper. In fact, think of those who are hating and hurting you and see them as tiny children like they once were, longing for trust and safety, and speak to them as if they were still those children. Pray for those who abuse you. God is always as much a part of any story, so offer the other cheek. In other words, it's not just don't get into a fight, because then there will be no difference between you and them. But don't let those who hate you think you can be intimidated by violence. Turn the other cheek. Offering the other cheek means I'm not going to accept that violence trumps everything else. Don't withhold your shirt. In other words, surprise your enemy with generosity. Now, I don't think Jesus is really suggesting that loving my enemies is kind of an insidious torture of them. He isn't advocating here, kill them with kindness. That's sort of a tactic. He's talking about an adjustment between where I am and the place where by God's grace Christ calls me to be and where life might be. We can choose not to retaliate. We can absorb some of the world's pain. But wait a minute. Hasn't there been enough cheek turning? Jesus doesn't really want more losers, does he? Hasn't there been enough abuse? Aren't the smart ones the people who finally wake up and buy a gun or buy a lawyer and get even? Now, you see, I don't think Jesus has a stake in more victims. But Jesus seems to be asking us to play by a different set of rules. Is this God's world or not? Is God really at work bringing good out of the evil in the world or not? Is the only success worth having success in cooperating with God or not? That's a different game. And how you conclude your decision about those questions makes all the difference. I simply choose to play by these different rules because they are God's rules. Now, it's been a contentious week in our national life, but no more contentious than it was during the Civil War in our national life. And the nation had voted to reelect a controversial president, Abraham Lincoln. On Saturday, March the 4th, 1865, he delivered his second inaugural speech, and in it he took up the language of faith. Not identity politics, not skin color, not ethnic heritage. There was much that divided the country. 
Every family in this country had been affected, and some families had even lost family members on both sides of the conflict, Confederate and Union. There was a lot of righteous and indignant anger, a toxic substance. And yet, calling on all Americans to their best selves, Lincoln concluded that second inaugural address this way, with malice towards none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive to finish the work we're in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. End quote. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What does that look like in real life? Well, it looks like this. With malice towards none and with charity towards all. Let us strive to finish the work we're in, to bind up the nation's wounds and to do all which may achieve a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Today is World Communion Sunday. There's a great little piece in the last word in your bulletin that gives you some of the history of it, but it was 1936 when a handful of Presbyterians gathered together and finally got the church to set this day aside. It was a time in history where they were concerned about matters following World War I as the world drifted towards World War II. There were divisions within the church that limited the witness to live in peace among the nations and in the world. And as ministers prayed and talked, they discerned the Lord's Supper instituted by Jesus with his disciples on the eve of his death had the power to unite all Christians everywhere. And in receiving the bread and the cup, Christians of every ethnic group and nationality and economic status and language, of all denominations, of all political affiliations, they declare that Jesus is Lord. They become the body of Christ living in the world. And divisions begin to melt away as we eat and we drink to the Lordship of Christ with brothers and sisters. And so the first World Communion Sunday was organized and celebrated when believers could gather together and claim there's more unity in our gathering than diversity. As in 1936, our world is filled with division and tension and still in need of a witness from God's people that there's another way to live peacefully with one another rather than apart from one another or against one another. 
When we eat and we drink at the Lord's table, we celebrate both our diversity and our unity. And we proclaim together our witness to the world that it's possible to live differently, to love our enemies. So today we celebrate unity in the midst of diversity. We proclaim together the saving power God's saving power for our world. You'll see out on the table there are chalices from all over the world. One of them is from the Kirk of Scotland. I'm wearing the stole of the clergy in Scotland today. The chalice and the plate were smelted in Scotland in 1796. They belonged to the Lady Lone Church they were imprinted in 1836, and they were first used here by this church in 1960 after a renovation of the sanctuary. So out there at that table when we gather past, present, culture, nationality, language, all of it converges to empower us for a future with hope, a realigned future, a readjusted future. Where would this country be without our churches? Where would it be without these words to encourage us to restrain our desire for revenge and retaliation? Where would we be without the encouragement to love, to seek justice for all? So if you're concerned about our civic life, then invest in the church's life. It's an investment in that readjustment and realignment of the people throughout our country. You and I have a chance in the next several weeks to invest in that future together. So get on board and help us. Make a difference. Witness to a different way of life, a better way forward. Amen.